Good morning. It's nice to see all of you here this morning. And I, I, what I want to touch on this morning, and uh, I was telling Rachel about what I was going to be speaking on the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And she said, are you sure you're going to, I think you, you're trying to do a little bit too much because usually I just have too much and I can't get through it all. But hopefully, Lord willing, uh, he'll give me wisdom in the pace that I go through this passage this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and before I read this, this verse, I just wanted to share, I just want to preface a little bit the importance of hopefully each and every person here knows the gospel. It is the utmost, utmost important, important, excuse me, when you read the scriptures. And I, I just want to go through the Romans road real fast just because if there's anyone here who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, it's so important that you do. Because at times when I get, have the opportunity to share the gospel, when I get to share the good news of Jesus Christ, I talk to people in Romans 3.23, and I'm sure a lot of the young people who have gone to Iwana, who have gone to camps, they know it by heart. They know it. But this verse, Romans puts the gospel so clearly. And I, I want you guys especially you young guys right here up front and those of you guys who know these verses, it's, it's really important. You have, when you know the, the Romans road, when, when you know these verses in Romans, you know the gospel. You can share it. Romans 3.23 says, To all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. You know, I ask people who I get to talk to, do you know anyone who's perfect? I've never heard one person who said anybody's perfect in their life. And then Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of our sin, we're separated from a holy God, from a righteous God. And this morning, we remember the one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, who paid that price, the ultimate price, something we couldn't do, so that he paid the price. He rose again on the third day. And all we have to do is come to him. It's a free gift. It's a free gift that is offered to you this morning if you would take it. Now, if I offered anybody a gift, you know, if you denied it, you can deny it. You have to, a, a gift is a gift when you receive it. You have to take it for yourself. Romans 5.8 says, but, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you done that this morning? I just had to start off with that because this passage in Romans 9 talks about the gospel and the liberty that the Apostle Paul had to share the gospel. And as I was saying the Apostle Paul is the one who wrote 1 Corinthians, this epistle, the letter to the church of Corinth. It was written around 55 AD. And if you read this book this first of 1 Corinthians, you see that there was a lot of issues in the, the church of Corinth. And Paul is addressing a lot of these issues and trying to help them rectify the, the issues. Before I continue on, I just want to look to the Lord this morning and ask for his guidance. Father, this morning, as we've opened up your word, 
we just ask that you would bless it. Father, may, may your words go forth and may your words with power just be the one that convicts. I have no words of myself. I, I'm not eloquent. I, I don't have, a lot of times I have a hard time finding the right words to say, but Father, we know that you are a God who can speak. So this morning, we ask that your spirit would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 1. If you read 1 Corinthians 8 through 10, that's, it's talking about the liberty, liberties that we have as believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Am I not free? I'm reading in the New American Standard Bible. Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock. I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about the oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sow spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we do not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. But I have used none of these things. And I am not writing these things so that it will be done so in my case. For it would be better for me to die than to have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will... I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel? Verse 19, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. For the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. 
Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I don't know how many of you have been involved in, in athletics, sports, um, some kind of uh, extracurricular activity that might have you exert a lot of energy. You have to use a lot of, of willpower. You have to devote the time. You have to devote your physical bodies. Um, I, I love sports, so growing up I've always uh, played sports. I've always been involved in sports. In high school, uh, I was in, involved in a few sports. And one of the things I remember in, in soccer practice is during the summers, and every sport I believe has this, is you have the hell week where you, you go in and you're conditioning. You go in and condition, and it's, it's not easy. You know, for some reason, although you're trying to build your way, you should be trying to build your way up into a good athletic shape. They, they, they actually make it much harder during the summer, during this hell week, for you during the practices. I mean, you, I, I mean I've seen guys you know, uh, throwing up, and it's just so hard. And you, the summer is the hottest time of, you know, it's the hottest time, and yet you know, we're out in the sun running, running laps, and you just, you're running and you're running, and you're, you're, you're having trouble breathing, you're trying to catch your breath. And I, I, those of you who play sports, you know that feeling. You're trying to push yourself harder and harder, and yet you're just so tired. Well, I believe in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 here, the Apostle Paul is pointing out a race that believers are running. He points out in verse 1, Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? That word free there means unrestrained. To go as a citizen, not a slave, exempt obligation or liability at liberty. And the, I titled my message this morning, Liberty in the Gospel. First off, when the Apostle Paul says, I am, am I not free? He asks this question. And it's interesting because he asks so many questions in this, in this passage right here. He actually asks 18 questions. Are you, am I not free? Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was saved. We know his story. He was on the road to Damascus. He was persecuting Christians. And God met him on that road. Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? One of the qualifications of being apostles is you have to have seen the Lord Jesus. Paul saw the Lord Jesus. And, and it wasn't a vision. I, I think some people might say it was a vision of, of that Paul saw when he was on the road to Damascus. But he says here, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? All these questions, when he's asking them, they're straightforward answers. It's, it's yeah, he has seen the Lord Jesus. Are you not my work in the Lord? The Apostle Paul was the one who went to Corinth and he shared the gospel there first. And he planted this church there. Paul was not under authority to anyone except the Lord Jesus Christ because he had that apostolic authority. 
Paul is establishing the apostolic authority, as we see, and he asks all these questions to point to them, to point to this church of Corinth. What are you doing for the gospel? And I have to say this morning that I was, as I was looking at the landscape of Christianity, especially here in the U.S., and examining my own heart, I was asking myself, is the gospel that important to me? Is, I, was, I was driving down uh, with our brother Justin last night, thinking, and we were talking and discussing the gospel. We were asking ourselves, is the gospel of utmost importance in our lives? Because if it were, if we, if, if we looked at each person understanding that if this person were not saved, they would be eternally separated from God, sent, thrown into the lake of fire. Do we understand that? Do we understand this, it, that's a reality? That's actually going to happen. The, the Bible is true. There's archaeological evidence. There's historical evidence. There's so much evidence for the Word of God. And in knowing that, in, in knowing what the Word of God says, do we have that heart for the gospel? He says, my defense is those who examine me in verse 3 is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Well, why does Paul ask this question? Do we have a right to eat and drink? Of course, Paul, you have the right to eat or drink. What is, what is, why is he asking this question? Well, he's, he's ta- asking this because the Apostle Paul has been traveling. This is his second, on a second missionary journey, he traveled to Corinth and shared the gospel there. And he's asking, are, are you, when he says, excuse me, I lost my place. Do we not have the right to eat or drink in verse 4? He's saying that is it, it's for the expense, at the expense of the church, referring to the food and drink being at the expense of the church. Are you willing to give? But at the same time, we're going to see if you move forward that that's not the reason why Paul's asking this is because he's not, he's not asking because he wants something. He's saying that he builds up to the point where he's saying, because I share the gospel with you. This is, this is what the Lord told us, that if, if we're ministering unto you, and in Luke chapter 10, in Luke chapter 10, In verse 5, it says, Whatever house you enter, this is the Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples. He had sent 70, 70, 70 of his disciples out in pairs to go to every city to prepare for the Lord Jesus and his arrival. And in verse 5 of chapter 10 of Luke, he says, Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you. So all these things, he's gonna, he asks all these questions in the beginning of chapter 9 to say, don't I deserve this? He says, all the other, 
All the other brothers, all the other believing brothers, they take on a wife. He even mentions Cephas, maybe because in the Gospels, the apostle Peter, his mother-in-law was healed by the, by the Lord Jesus. So maybe that's why he mentions it. I'm not sure. But he says, all these other guys have wives. Can I take a wife for myself? Verse 6 says, Or do only Barnabas and I not have the right to refrain from working? It was a little tricky, the wording that, as I was reading that. He's saying, Barnabas and I, we're, we're working along with the ministry that we're involved with. Are we the only ones that have to work, even though we're involved in ministry? And then he goes on to, to talk about the soldier. Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Now, my brother's in the Navy, and the Navy provided him with the, the money to, to go to the nuclear schools that he went to. They provide him the money for the living costs. They provide him money for his uh, equipment, uniform, everything. But is there a soldier that goes to war and says, I'm going to have a side job to support myself in this war? Uh, does a soldier do that? No. And the Apostle Paul is just pointing out that with the, the labor that he's, he's given them in sharing the gospel, does he not deserve to partake? Same with all the other questions that he asked. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of the, of the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? Am I not speaking these things according to human judgment? Am I or does not the law also say these things? And moving on in verse 9, For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about the oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crop. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Now, I had to ask myself, why, did, why does Paul bring this up? You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. What does the ox have to do with his point of serving, of him being involved in the gospel, of sharing that and being a partaker of it and him deserving, you could say monetary, uh, just uh, maybe being paid is what he was thinking. And if you look back in Deuteron Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, in the Mosaic Law, it, it established and prevented farmers from muzzling the ox, which is it's like covering the mouth of the ox, as what they would do is the farmers would spread the, the grain on the floor, and then they would have the ox stomp on this grain, and the husk of the grain would fall off. And in the process, this is, this is actually food for the ox, actually. And so God is saying in the law, back in the Old Testament, he's saying don't cover their mouth. Let them, while they're walking on the grain, let them allow them to eat the, eat the grain that they're stomping on. I think it, it kind of shows God's provision even for an ox, but he points out that was it only, is, is God concerned about the ox? Yeah, of course he is, but at the same time, what is he saying? It's for, for our sake, he says. That all these things he's pointing out is because I'm a laborer for the Lord, because I'm the one sharing the gospel, I should really be cared for. You know, people should be helping me out financially. 
But the thing is, the Apostle Paul points out in his humility, like the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't, he doesn't want those things. He, he's not looking to those things. And Warren Wearsby says, since oxen cannot read, this verse was not written for them, right? So it's speaking to this, this verse, it's, it's really speaking of, of men. Paul states that his right or liberty is to receive material things, but he did not use that right. He could have. He should have, but he didn't. And he's going to go on to say why. An obstacle, and he, he mentions this as a, it could have been a hindrance. It could, an obstacle to the gospel and the reception of it could be that people will believe that Paul just shared the gospel because he wanted people to give him food. He wanted people to give him something to drink, and he wanted people to give him money. That could have been a hindrance, and that may have been his thought process. I don't want anything to hinder the gospel going out. In verse 15, it says, But I have used none of these things. He could have. And I am not, write, I have, and I am not writing these things so that it will be done so in my case. I'm not... I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm not asking for anything. For it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. What is he saying there? He would rather die than allow someone to taint his boast of being able to minister the gospel without those that he ministered to supporting him. He wanted the gospel to go out freely. He wanted people to receive it. That was, his, uh, that was on his mind all the time. If you read, the Apostle Paul wrote many letters, many epistles in the New Testament. And if you read his train of thought in all these epistles, his central thought, the theme that you see is the gospel. The fact of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. He says he's under compulsion. Some translations say compelled for necessity it's it's so important to him and paul is, has been entrusted with the gospel and thus must share the gospel let me ask you guys this again do we have that same desire do we understand that it doesn't matter if those that preach the gospel we preach the gospel to they don't give anything back to us. Do we do it anyways? You know what? In fact, if you preach the gospel in, at, in this time, people might make fun of you. People, people might look down on you. You might lose friends. You might lose you know, relationships that you had. But are, are those things more important than sharing the gospel and seeing someone saved, understanding where they're going to be headed if they don't trust Christ? He also, Paul says, in his freedom decides to become a slave to all. That's, what, that's the wording that he uses. What then is my reward? In verse 18, that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am, a free, though, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. 
Some interesting language right there. He wants to be a slave to all. If I asked you guys, how many of you guys want to be a slave? Nobody, nobody's going to raise their hand for that, right? Nobody wants to be a slave. But here, Paul is saying, I'm willing to do that for the gospel because I know how important it is, because I love the gospel, because I've seen the Lord Jesus Christ, I've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I know what he can do. This is a man who is completely turned around. He was killing Christians, and now he's trying to make people into Christians. What an, I mean, if God chaining a person like that, if that doesn't affect you, I don't know what will. That is, that is amazing. To win more. He wants to win more. He's not satisfied with just one or two or a few or even a lot. He wants to win more. You know, we, in watching the Olympics and you see all that goes on, uh, one of the guys that I've been watching for probably a good over a decade is Sean White. I don't know if any of you guys have watched him. He won the gold medal for uh, super pipe for snowboarding. And uh, I, I love snowboard, snowboarding, so it's, it's fun to watch him. And he, he's, even at this age, he's 31 years old. He's gone through four Olympics, three gold medals, and he's still trying to improve himself. He still wants to win more. I don't know what else he can win. No, nobody can top him, but he still wants to win more. He continues to train and train and train so that he can do greater tricks. He can spin faster. He can, he can go higher. He, he trains so hard. And he's doing this for a perishable reward, a gold medal that it, it won't last. You, you don't get to take it with you when you die. It's only here on earth for a short time. Do we... Do we do we, do we understand that? Do we want more? Do we want to win more souls for Christ? I think it's, you know, thinking about and preparing for this message, it's really convicting to me to think about my own life and how I don't. I go to work, and I'm so consumed with the thoughts of, of work. I work for the post office and everything that goes on in the post office. And then even when I get home, Maybe I turn on the TV, maybe I do this, maybe I do that. But oftentimes, the thought of the gospel, the thought of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't always on my mind. There are times when I'm, I'm driving and I see people in the other cars and I pray for them because I think they're lost. What will happen to them if they get into a car accident and they die? But at the same time, how often do I really do that? Every, every so often? It should be all the time because if we had the heart like the Lord Jesus Christ and, and what Paul's saying here, we would, we would be praying all the time for the lost souls around us. And really, you look at the epistles of Paul and you can just see he has a, a tunnel vision for the Lord Jesus Christ. He has a tunnel vision for the gospel. That's, he's on a, a one-track mindset of I'm going to share the gospel with whoever I can, wherever the Lord allows me. Do we have that kind of attitude? I do all things, in verse 23, for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. In verse 24, it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one 
receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Paul makes an, an analogy to the Olympic Games actually held probably 500, if you want to look up the history of the Olympics, that actually dates all the way back to around 500 BC, where the Greeks would put on these games. Originally, it started with uh, short, some, some, I don't know if it was relays or uh, how they did it, but every four years, they would have four participants or four, four men, or f I don't know how many athletes, but I think it was about four, and they would go against each other, and there were sets of four, and then whoever won, there was kind of like a bracket, and then there was a final. And these Olympics would be held every four years, and there's two parts to these, these Olympics that the Greeks did. The first part was they would sacrifice to their gods. And then the second, there was the games. There was an actual competition. And these competitions, they put on, it's kind of similar, I would imagine, to what we do, except, you know, to their scale, to their standards. They, there was large crowds, and there was a lot of people that would attend these events. And one of the, the races that they had a long-distance race was, it could have been 6, 7, 8, 12, 20, or sometimes 29 times around the stadium that the runner had to run. And I know right now we're in the Winter Olympics, but um, he's mentioning Summer Olympics kind of events. But I, I felt that it still, it still worked. It's still tied together. And there was other, and I just give you these, these events for context's sake. That there was another event where there was four different events. There was the the wrestling, the spear throwing, the, the boxing, the running. And there was other events as well. And they had all these things going on. And we watch these the Olympics and we see all these events. It's exciting. It's fun. These athletes prepare for months and months, years and years. The, the athletes, athletes in this society, in the Greeks, they had to have a minimum of 10 months of preparation. You had to have 10 months of preparation. And if there was any foul play that was determined, then the transgressor of the games would have to forfeit the prize or they would, have to, they would be penalized and they would have to pay a fine. The victors, the ones who won, they would get a crown of wreath of a sacred wild olive. Now, why do I, I, why do I go into all of that? Why do I describe the, the Olympic Games of the Greeks of before Christ was born, 500 years even before he was born. Well, this analogy that Paul uses, those who run, right there, not everyone is running in the race. You have to be, and that's the reason why I, wanted, I had to preface this message this morning. You have to have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ before you can start running. Only one receives the prize, verse 24. Only one. It doesn't mean that only one Christian is going to receive the prize. No. You have to continue reading on. It says, in, run in such a way that you may win. The purpose for each believer is to run to win. I mean, if I asked any of you, how many of you guys play sports? How many of you guys compete so that you can get 10th place. Like, I'm, I'm going for 10th place here. 
That's the, that's the best I can think I can do. I'm going to train all my life, put all these years, invest all that time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get 10th place. Nobody says that. And in the same way, if we examine our Christian life, what, what, what rank would we be? If you, add, if you really honestly examine yourself, where are you at? Are you first, second, fifth, tenth, one hundredth? You're not even, you know, sometimes you have the rankings and after a hundred, they don't even list it, you know? Where are we at? Run in such a way that you may win. We as Christians should, if the Olympic analogy, strive for the gold to win. We should want to win. And in verse 25, it says, Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. This word, exercises self-control, words, speaking of discipline in training, strict training. Are we training ourselves? You, I mean, I mentioned the Olympic athletes, and I was watching some of their interviews. You see how they give it all. They, they push so hard that oftentimes they're vomiting. That's how hard they're working. Now, are we training? Have we trained? Are we stick reading the word of God? Are we praying? Are we asking the Lord, praying on behalf of those that are unsaved? Are we willing to give it all that it takes for the gospel like the apostle Paul has done? Not, it doesn't matter what you receive. It doesn't matter what, what you're going to get. Forget about all those things. Forget about any praise or accolades or glory. Are you willing to just give the gospel for the gospel's sake, knowing that the person you're sharing with may be a lost soul? And it mentions this in the, at the end of verse 25. Then they, they then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. I mean, they work so hard for like a, a leaf on their head. <laughs> wow, like uh, I, I wouldn't spend or work that hard for that, but that's what they did. I mean, there was also some personal glory when you go back home, but that's, that's what they work for. You know, and I was watching one of the interviews of one of the luge women uh, in the Olympics, and last Olympics she had won gold. So what she did, she comes from a, a small town of about 3,000 people, is she, she had her, her gold medal in a box, and she put it in a drawer in her house because she didn't want anything to happen to the medal. She didn't want anything to happen, people to touch it, and if, you know, whatever grease gets on it or whatever, what have you, she just wanted to protect it. So all that hard work for a gold medal that goes into her drawer. <laughs> wow. This is, this is what the world works for a perishable reward, a perishable wreath. But we, if you're a believer, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, you're working for an imperishable reward, something that no one can take away from you. Not, nothing can destroy it. This is a gift that God gives, a reward that God gives. Discipline in the ancient Greek right here, or exercising self-control, is like, 
basically, it's a very strong word. It's like you're hitting yourself because you want to do better. I don't know if you've seen athletes who are frustrated with their bodies because maybe they're, uh, they're physically a little bit limited as they're working really hard. And so they're hitting their leg maybe, they're hitting their arm, and they really want to be able to do more. This is the idea. Do we want to do more? Are we doing whatever it takes? In our thought process from day to day, what are we thinking about? Are we thinking about the gospel? Or are we thinking about how can we enjoy some aspect of this world? Well, one commentator says that Paul wanted his body as to be a servant and the inner man to be the master, meaning the spirit of God inside of him would control the outward actions. Earthly desires won't rule the entire self. Paul preached. He was the announcer. In verse 27, or excuse me, going back to verse 26, it says, Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. Do you have a, a purpose in running? I, I actually, honestly, our, our brother Jeff Orris, you know, he, I don't know if you know, but he, he does a lot of running. He does a lot of cross country. And I, I mean, God bless that brother. I, I couldn't do something like that. You know, running miles and miles. I know that Clarissa does the same. She runs like half marathons and something crazy like that. And to, to be honest, I don't, I can't do that. <laughs> I need, if I'm going to run, I'm going to play a sport like soccer or basketball. And there's a purpose for me running, like to me. That, that's how I see it. No offense to anybody who runs, right? But that's how, that's how I see it. In the Christian walk, in this race that you're in, are you running for a purpose? Are you, it says, are you boxing as not without aim? I was watching shadow boxing. I don't know if you've ever seen shadow boxers. And they're just like moving around. There's no opponent, but they're just in a, maybe in a room and they're moving around and they're practicing their, their boxing. No one's going to hit them. They're not going to hit anyone, but they're just, you know, moving around, right? They're not going to win anything. They're not going to, no one's going to give them any glory afterwards, but they're practicing. Are we, are we doing that? Just kind of moving around with no purpose? Are we beating the air, not really hitting our target or goal? And in verse 27, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself would not be disqualified. If you don't follow the rules, if you don't even know the rules, then you can't follow it. You have to, what are the rules for a believer? You have to know the word of God. You have to know the character of God and his son and what he's done so that you can follow the rules. You can run the race. You know, it's kind of sad. Not, I mean, I wasn't that sad, but it kind of is sad that, you know, the Russians were disqualified because they were caught for doping, Right? They're caught for doping, and all their athletes, if they were eligible to compete in this Olympics, they probably had to go through more harsher tests. They had to, you know, meet the standards maybe a little bit higher than everybody else. And the medals that they won would not be counted to their country. That's what happens if you don't follow the rules. I think about in the Gospels, where it says, a man, P 
people come to, are going to come to the Lord one day. They're going to say, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I did miracles in your name. I did these things in your name. And the Lord is going to tell them, I never knew you. Go away from me. I hope that that's not the case for any of us here. That we will run the race with endurance that is set before us. That unlike, or in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about the testing of our work. The wood, hay, and stubble, when, they're, when fire touches those three things, they're going to burn away. But the precious gold, things like gold, silver, those things will last. Is our work going to last? Are we running this race, race knowing the goal that we have before us? Are we yielded to the Spirit of God to help us with this race? Because honestly, if we don't ask the Lord for help, there's no way we're going we're gonna to run and succeed. How, how difficult it is, and I talk with my wife Rachel at times about how, how when you we read the Word, we're in the Word of God, when we're praying, although life may get harder, it doesn't seem as hard. But when we're not in the Word of God, when we're not praying, and we go through temptations, when we go through trials, it just seems like it's that much harder. Are we yielded to the Spirit of God to help us run, to win? In conclusion, I just wanted to say, Paul boasted that he used the liberty not to receive what was due to him, like food, drink, etc., but he was focused on the progress of the gospel. These material things didn't matter to him. What mattered was the gospel. We have the same liberty today to share the gospel without expectation, without expecting anything in return. Do we expect something in return or are we sowing seeds of the gospel? Paul did whatever is necessary so that the gospel would go forth. Unfortunately, the state of the churches in the U.S., like I mentioned, it, they, it just seems so focused on worldly things. We're so focused on the things of this world that the things of the Lord kind of go by the wayside. Are we living and proclaiming the gospel? I know it sounds simple, and I've repeated sort of the same message over and over again, but as I read this passage, I, I, I just think how important the gospel is. That it needs to be shared. Paul exhorts the Corinthians to run to win. Would we receive an award for our life here on earth? Or would we be disqualified because we did not run correctly? You know, there's, you look at these Olympic athletes and you just marvel at the things they can do. You know, you see a skier go off that huge jump. They take off and land and, I mean, I can't do that. That's, that's amazing. Right? And you see all these athletes persevere, going on the ice, all these things. They've invested so much time, so much effort into succeeding because they want the gold. Will that be what our life will be about? That will be about the kingdom business. We'll be about striving for the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning... feel like it was a little bit of a struggle, but Lord, I know that you can work. I know that your, your word is living and alive, and we, we thank you for the gospel, because it is 
through the gospel that we are saved. It is that message, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and the cross. This morning, during the breaking of bread, we remembered our precious Savior. We praised him, we lifted him up. And Father, may our lives be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. May it be focused on the gospel. And may it be focused on winning souls for you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.